0: Public health informatics is the science and the art of taking raw data and turning them into useful information for health policies and programs. It takes all those data out there and turns them into knowledge of how people can live healthier lives. But how does this process work? My name is Jessica Hill, and I work at the Public Health Informatics Institute in Atlanta, Georgia. This podcast is my quest to learn about informatics and how it's made people's lives better. How has it made my life better? And really, why does it matter? So I'm ready. Inform me, informatics. This is Jessica Hill, and I am here in the office of uh, Dr. David Ross at the Public Health Informatics Institute. Uh, Dr. Ross is our director and leader, and he is my boss's boss's boss. So hopefully this will go well. Um, uh, but he goes by Dave. And so, Dave, thank you so much for agreeing to be our first guest. It really means a lot to us. And so would you let us know how how you got into informatics? Like, what is what does that path look like for you?
1: Mm-hmm. So why am I doing this? Yeah. Why am yeah. I doing this? People have said, you know. Dave, how can you be so passionate about something like informatics? My gosh. Well, so very Does your cl- wife say that? She doesn't even want to know. <laughs> she's a school schoolteacher. Uh, uh, she's never really wanted to know. Um, I think I have to go back, wind back. Why am I even in public health? Mm-hmm. It starts there. I was, 45 years ago, working in the missile business as an aerospace engineer pretty far away from anything that would be public health or medicine and um doing work at a time that was pretty exciting you remember the gemini and apollo moonshots and all that yeah and um the cold war and strategic nuclear missiles and stuff i worked on all that um So I was both a systems engineer and an aerospace engineer, and along the way became a systems engineer who became a pretty serious programmer Mm -hmm. out of necessity. But I was looking for more meaning in my life than how we perfect missiles to work, and particularly those that are strategic nuclear missiles which are designed to destroy mankind. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to be really honest. I mean,
0: I, did you think about that every day? You I did. Like I thought a lot about is. that, is
1: that, that what I am about is the business of optimizing destruction. Mm-hmm. But that's a st- another story. But anyway, I was seeking some meaning in my life, and I happened to have a wonderful, lucky, fortunate interaction with Dr. Abe Lillianfeld, who was the chair of the epidemiology department at Johns Hopkins. And Abe put before me an idea that had, I would never have otherwise been aware of. And that was that you can do things to help the health of entire populations that uh, are, that doesn't involve you going to medical school and being a doctor to a person. Mm-hmm. Because that was the other thing I was contemplating, should I go to medical school? And I wasn't particularly obsessed with any given disease and uh Was trying to think what what young person what do I do?
0: Do you mind me asking, like how how old were you then? You had finished your doctorate was, of was, science, right?
1: No, no, that's so. Abe was the one who convinced me to go get my doctorate of science.
0: Okay, so I was where a were missile you in your engineer.
1: career? I was early, young. I was twenty-five, okay. w- with you know several years of experience doing some pretty serious missile stuff. Yeah, um, and along that way, I'd become. Uh, a state-of-the-art programmer with the -the state-of-the-art systems that only the defense world at that time had.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And um, Abe presented to me this idea that systems engineers and technically oriented people like I was could bring skills to this discipline called public health, and it was about doing things that affected the health of whole populations. An idea just absolutely captured me and blew me away. Is that what? You could do things that wouldn't change the health of thousands to millions of people? And at the time, the smallpox campaign, the Mm -hmm. smallpox eradication campaign was going on. And that was a really easy example to understand. It's like, yeah, I have a smallpox vaccination on my arm. You don't.
0: No, I don't.
1: My my kids don't. Mm -hmm. I do. Because I could have gotten smallpox and in my cohort a lot of people did in my cohort people got polio i had a friend i saw in an iron lung so i saw those sorts of things and realized like wow you could do things that absolutely impact the health of thousands to millions of people in a really positive way and that seemed to be a better idea than figuring out how to obliterate mankind (laughs) (laughs)
0: that story is so inspiring to me because it it's about wanting to help whole populations, but it's also about your personal relationship with one person that really yeah. changed the so path of your totally life. So it totally
1: changed the direction of my my professional career. I ended up going to Hopkins uh, on, on a fellowship, which I was very lucky to have a NIH fellowship to pay for my whole graduate school. Um, and in the course of that, being a technical math science person, I really appreciated. Data and gathering and manipulating data, and I was also a computer science professor because I was a programmer Mm -hmm. at at a level that most of the faculty faculty simply weren't. So I learned also that IT is a young person's sport. So I came as a graduate student and was also made a professor because I knew more programming than, Mm -hmm. than the faculty did because they were not exposed to the same stuff I had been exposed to.
0: So was your course of study, was the word informatics a no, uh, term that you used exist. then? the word or did label? not
1: exist. I was in uh, math sciences and operations research and biostatistics and actually a subdiscipline of information science. Okay. Um, how, what, how do you mathematically quantify the information in a set of data? Uh, but in doing all of that, became much in more, more involved in, in a range of epi studies and health services research and clinical research work, Mm -hmm. which ultimately led me into the Hopkins Health Services Research Center that was done jointly with the public health service, and which I eventually ended up running. And then one thing led to another and ended up acting a stint for several years as vice president at one of the Hopkins hospitals uh, called Wyman Park Health System. Um, And then was recruited to CDC and did environmental health research and then marched my way always back to having a facility with data and systems and supporting the you know core public health studies Mm -hmm. at cdc and that led me ultimately to thinking about the information infrastructure of public health and that it was very inadequate there was this thing called the internet that was coming along and we should be ready for it so that's what got me into it and then working at clinical information systems when i left cdc so that been in and out of healthcare and public mm-hmm. health in various ways. It is an evolving discipline, and that's what you will see: is people in this field have come from various other disciplines within public health or healthcare mm-hmm. and migrated their interest towards these technologies and the use of them. And and uh, that's how information technologies generally are changing our world aren't they? There are a lot of physicians that are becoming medical informaticists yeah. and leaving clinical care and working on the technology side.
0: Uh, was, there, was there a similar moment? So you were like, okay, I want to make a shift and I'm not so jazzed about weapons and mass destruction. So I am looking for something else. Was there any other shift in your career that you would say was really sentinel to where you ended up today?
1: Yeah, it's when I shifted from healthcare Delivery, so I was vice president of a hospital, mm-hmm. and that is a very challenging job to do. Healthcare delivery is really tough. It's a good career, and it's turned out to be very uh, remunerative for people who stayed in it, getting more involved in really public health practice. Mm-hmm. That was a, a very significant shift. This sort of brings me to a beginning point, which is what's informatics, Mm -hmm. right? I tell people it's about getting the right information to the right people at the right time Mm -hmm. in a form they can use to make productive decisions. Productive decisions about either a person, a case, which could be like, what shot do I give this kid? Or about a population status kind of issue, but... Public health does a lot of different things, so it has a lot of different data and information needs. Mm -hmm. Therefore, almost anybody in public health could actually be asking an informatics question because it's so um, integral to supporting how programs could run well.
0: Well, that's actually a question that I had because, so for me as somebody who's trained in public health, but I didn't work directly in informatics, you know, earlier in my Mm -hmm. career, the idea is in the public health process, your first step is you gather your data. And your second step is you figure out what your data are telling you about Mm -hmm. whatever, either one to help you identify the problems or if there's a specific, you know, area you want to focus on. So I get confused even still now, like, what is the difference between that and informatics? Mm.
1: It's very blurry. And um, in a way, I think calling informatics a a field is a bit problematic because it's so tied to other fields. Mm -hmm. Think of it this way. What are your options on getting your data? How? What are your options about how to define the data so that they become a digital asset later beyond your use?
0: What do you mean by digital asset?
1: Okay, so I've collected some data. If I code the data in a way that is a standardized representation of that content, mm-hmm. then other people can use it later. Okay. If I make it my own quirky code, like I'm going to code all males a nine and all females a seventy seven. Why would anybody do that? Well there's no reason, but somebody might. <laughs> and <laughs> Probably all of a sudden if they don't give you an index to say this is what those data mean, then it's useless. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's a non asset. It maybe helped them uncover what they were trying to learn. Right. But it means nothing to anybody else.
0: So it's kind of the difference between having an eye towards this one problem you want to solve and kind of understanding that we're gathering information and we might not know all the ways that we'll use it?
1: That's part of it. I think there's another basic premise you have to think about with information. A lot of people lose sight of. In an information world, the value of information goes up with its use. Think about this. If you and I were farmers and we bought a tractor.
0: We're going hungry. If you and I are farmers, we have Oh, we have no, trouble. I'm a good farmer. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'll feed you. Okay, thank you. Um, uh,
1: no, if we were to go buy a tractor, uh, a tractor is a depreciating asset.
0: Okay. The more you use
1: it, the more it wears out.
0: Okay, that At makes At some sense.
1: point, you use it enough, it's worn out, and either you totally rebuild it or you throw it away.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So it's a depreciating asset. Think about information. You invest in creating it once. Mm-hmm. So if you want it to increase in value, you keep reusing it. Or you make it usable to other people in other ways.
0: But isn't that what's scary about informatics? Is people are like, well, I didn't know my information was going to be used in all yeah, these different ways. Yeah, of course ways. it could
1: be. Yeah, yeah, of course. So that's why we have whole area in, in, in the area of informatics of sub, sort of sub-expertise about data use. Mm-hmm. Uh, data access agreements, all the legal and human subjects reviews issues tied to data. So That's, it's starting
0: to feel kind of fuzzy to me. Yeah, it is. As, as we're like it, now it talking bigger and bigger. It is very fuzzy
1: boundaries. It, it's, I think what we're seeing is the world's merging, to, you know, public health is merging to where there's going to be kind of an epi data scientist. It's going <laughs> to be, really, it's going to be a job. Because okay. think about people who, who, if I said, let's do... An analysis of some huge data sets. Mm -hmm. The classic big data problem. Okay. Like, let's mine Twitter to understand how the tobacco companies are using social media to um, influence smokeless tobacco. Mm -hmm. Or or what do they call it? Vapors. Mm -hmm. You're talking about millions and millions of records coming from new unstructured sources.
0: And in different languages. That's different than the
1: training you had. Mm -hmm. You didn't, with that, with my example, you're not defining the sample size and the sample parameters and the characteristics of who you're going to sample. You're delving into all this data and trying to learn something from it. It's a new emerging discipline. Mm -hmm. It's a new emerging discipline for uh, biostatistics and for epidemiology. And the technology pieces of it are informatics. So who's in charge of that?
0: Are you in charge of that as the director of the Public Health Informatics Institute? (laughs) I'm in
1: charge of saying, I think we belong mucking around in that world because there's something to be learned that would inform the public's health. So is that an informatics problem? Is that an epi problem? Or is that some new data scientist person's problem? I think these fields necessarily blend together. And I don't find it to be productive to try to slice them into unique, separate um, domains.
0: So, I mean, I feel like I conceptually understand what you're talking about, but could you give me a specific example maybe from your personal life where you feel like, okay, this was, I was just walking down the street being Dave Ross, and then I realized, oh, this is an informatics problem or this is an informatics opportunity.
1: Well, the ones, the the problems that happen all the time are where people are trying to be clear about what they're trying or need to get clear about what they're trying to do to where they use some form of automation or information technology to, to okay. support their need, right? Mm-hmm. That is absolutely so uniform. Um, so, what is an example? Um, the CHAMPS project. Um, one of the things we're, we're working on is figuring out how to have a panel of different experts, like a pathologist, an epidemiologist and maybe a primary care doctor, all look at a set of data about a child who died Okay. and together come up with a cause of death.
0: Are they physically together or uh, are they looking at the same record? They
1: most likely will not be physically together. So okay. we have to do a number of things. One, we have to give them uh, the data individually to review the case and have them document their answers. And then we have to bring them together, probably virtually as a team, okay. have them review what one another has done and see if they can reach consensus decision. Now that sounds easy, but as we dig into it, they're saying, well, give us a computer program that helps support that. Mm-hmm. So what what does that mean? It means you first ask, well, which data do we want to present to these people? Mm -hmm. Data about the verbal autopsy that was done in the country. Data about the laboratory results that were gathered when the child was, say, admitted to a hospital or healthcare facility. Data about their home living environment, Mm -hmm. their their family and environmental context, right? Um, Because these things could matter about why the kid died. And the pathology data. Okay. Okay. So which data? And where are these data going to come from? Mm -hmm. And how do we want to present them to the reviewer, right? Mm -hmm. What do we want them to make out of these data? What do we want them to record? How are we going to show that? Do they want to see the high-resolution images that the pathology people developed? Okay. Do they want to just trust the pathology report? All these are questions that the informaticists ask as translators between the science people who want to solve this problem, mm-hmm. and us producing a tool that will actually be useful to them.
0: So at the Institute, would we call that defining your information needs? Like yes. Your, okay. So yeah, you're defining probably. your requirements. What you're, you're defining
1: your requirements, and that's going to allow you to get very precise about the design. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you can go ahead and make decisions about the architecture, the hardware, and the software. The, you okay. know, what, what platforms are we going to use? And then you produce the tool.
0: Okay. So, okay, so that's an example of what informatics looks like. On And can you define what CHAMPS means?
1: Oh, that, yes. That means the Child Health and Mortality Prevention Surveillance Network. The network Champson. is, so it's CHAMPS Network. Oh, CHAMPS but Network. But it's a network okay. of sites, surveillance sites, that are being established uh, in sub-Saharan Africa and uh, South Asia. Mm-hmm. And this is a... Large, long-term initiative, of the Gates, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. But So that's what CHAMPS is, and people can go to champshealth.org if they want to know more. Uh, but it, that kind of uh, situation is one where we're starting with a blank canvas, and we have to ask lots of requirements questions. Mm-hmm. We have to define lots of work streams, mm-hmm. and from that tease out what the system support needs would be, both for capturing data. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So let me give you an example. Okay. Think about what would you do to capture the data if you had to interview parents of a child who died? How would you do that? So that's both a sociological problem. (laughs) What are you asking exactly? Like how that
0: interview would go? How
1: that interview would go, and how would you record the data so that Mm -hmm. the data can be used within the CHAMPS team, but also made globally accessible to other researchers around the world.
0: So there needs to be sort of consensus about what what bits of information are the most important to capture, knowing right. that you only have a That's limited right. amount of time with the That's family. Right.
1: So you have to be absolutely clear about what you're going to gather,
0: mm-hmm.
1: how you're going to record it. Is it blobs of text or is it discrete data fields? Mm-hmm. Um, and if it becomes discrete data fields, um, how are you going to encode that? Right,
0: right,
1: and then you have to understand all that, and then you have to be able to build a tool that could actually be used while i 'm having this conversation with the parent mm-hmm. right, and you know how conversations In the most sensitive go kind of, way. just like ours this is not necessarily linear, and absolutely we 're not just so listeners know, we 're not following a script <laughs> <laughs> and, that would be a frightening script, right, but yeah. yeah, but then that's how conversations go, so imagine the tool that really is useful to the person mm-hmm. who's collecting the data. And that person, we have to know about that person, too, don't we? We have to know, is that person highly educated, highly skilled, or is that a community health worker who's maybe um, trained how to do this interview, trusted by the community, but not necessarily highly educated?
0: And the words that maybe end up on the Computer screen aren't exactly the words that would resonate with the parents. So you Maybe got to not. figure so you out how to figure you're asking about if, it. Absolutely. And that's an informatics question? That's an
1: informatics problem.
0: I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought that was like a sociological problem.
1: It is. And I would argue that informatics is about 95% sociology and about 5% uh, information That's true. Science. You did tell
0: me that like yeah. my second right. day.
1: There's a good <laughs> example of it.
0: Thanks again to Dr. David Ross for being our first guest. Dave is the director of PHII until he takes over as CEO and President of the Task Force for Global Health in 2016. We recorded a lot more of our conversation with Dave, and in the next podcast, we'll hear more about the field of informatics and how it strengthens public health practice.
1: Right? Informatics holds the mirror up to the community and says, this is us. Are we happy with the picture we see?
0: Thanks also to Kathleen Taraski of Residence Marketing, who designed our logo. Our theme music is called Carnival Intrigue and was composed by Kevin Inform Me Informatics is a project of the Public Health Informatics Institute and the Informatics Academy. You can find out more if you go to phii.org. You can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at phinformatics. Finally, many thanks to our production team, especially Sarah Gilbert and Jessica Cook. Piper Hill produced and edited this episode and is an all-around super-duper Wonder Woman extraordinaire. I'm Jessica Hill, and you've been informed.
1: Right, so are we going to have a musical entree into this or anything? Yeah. yeah. What um, kind of music is it?
0: Uh, free online music. <laughs>